I want to make a transition now to the scripture you're about to hear, and I'm going to invite Peggy to come up and read the scripture. Most of you have heard this, probably most of the times you've heard it, you've been sitting in this room at a funeral service. John 14, Jesus has proclaimed his death several times, but is now facing it, and he's trying to get his disciples ready. He says to them, time is near. I want you to listen to what I'm going to tell you, because you don't have to be afraid. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the place, way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to me, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Peggy. Would you join with me in a word of prayer? Gracious, loving, and eternal God, we have proclaimed what we believe, and we ask humbly that now in the sharing of this scripture and our reflection upon it and the thoughts that stir in our hearts and minds, what we say we believe would become even more cemented in what we feel that we believe and what we live that we believe and what we witness that we believe. Take our uncertainties carefully, gingerly, and massage them into profession. And allow us to continue on our, on our journey of belief and belief sharing as your people in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. I am pretty sure that when I retire, I will not write my memoirs. There are two reasons for this. One is, when I retire, I hope to not have to write one other thing, at least for a while, and take a break. And then I am certain that my memory will be too cluttered to remember anything to write about my memoirs. But my guess is I'll be thinking a lot about my years in ministry, and my guess is that there will be categories and topics times when I was working with you, times when I have um, spent together in, in doing weddings, and, and times when I've spent in confirmation classes and teaching of classes of adults and the like. There probably won't be a lot of room to remember the meetings, but there probably should be some space to remember how many meetings there have been, but probably one of the biggest times of reflection I'll have is the times I've spent with T people before and around the time of death. 
in this profession, you spend a lot of time around death, either in helping people get ready for it, anticipating it, going through it, or living beyond it. And as I thought about this sermon today, I have to be honest with you, I tried to pull out some illustrations that I wanted to share with you today, but quite frankly, most of them were a little too poignant and too personal. So I'm going to ask you, simply in your own mind, to pull out your own today, your own experiences of being with those who have been in the dying process, your own experiences with death, your own experiences with funerals, your own experiences with simply wondering about it and thinking about it and having questions about it and dialogue about it with other friends. And my question to you today is, what do you believe now? I believe is the whole focus of what it is to live a full resurrected life. It is about what we believe. It's about what we choose to believe. Do I believe in God? Do I believe in Jesus Christ? Do I believe in the Holy Spirit? Do I believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints? Do I believe in the forgiveness of sins? The answer to that question changes the entire focus of our life and the possibilities therein. And as we talked about at the very beginning of this series, to say we believe is not to acknowledge a factual understanding, but rather an orientation of the intimacy of our life. What are we committed to? To acknowledge that God exists is not to believe in God, but rather to live each moment of your life as if God was the most important thing, is to believe in God. And so on down through the Apostles' Creed. And today... I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. When I was a kid and I was taught the Apostles' Creed, for me that last sentence was sort of the tag end of a long recited statement that I normally just mumbled my way out. I'd gotten through all the rest of the creed and I was pretty excited to remember it, so I got to the end and I believe in the the resurrection of life and, and, you know... (laughs) I mean, you just got through it. But as my life has gotten older and as my experiences with others has increased, that final phrase is a very significant phrase. I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting means more to me every day. But where does it come from? Well, it comes from an understanding of the resurrection of the body that started a hundred years before Jesus Christ was born. The Pharisees, a group of the religious leadership of the Jewish community uh, that came around about 150 years before the time of Christ, adopted and believed in the resurrection of the body. Now, they weren't really specific about what that meant, but they believed in it and it set them apart and different from the rest of the Jewish leadership. And we know that Jesus had friends and dialogue with people who were friendly towards him, who were Pharisees. In John 3, he has this conversation with Nicodemus. When he says to Nicodemus, you shall be born again, and Nicodemus asks the question, well, how can a man be born again? He's not only asking about the physical unlikelihood of going back into a mother's womb. What he's asking about is what happens in the afterlife, because Pharisees cared about the afterlife. And Jesus' dialogue with the Pharisees, oftentimes friendly, not always confrontational, brought him to understand also this 
perception that there is a resurrection of the body that happens after our death. Every, every culture and world religion has had something to do to talk about and believe about the afterlife. Even the earliest discoveries, archaeological discoveries of human beings, homo sapiens, was when they would bury, when they took time to bury their loved ones, they would put in the grave equipment, clothing, food, and weapons for the journey that would occur after death, even if they didn't know exactly what that meant. They wanted their loved one to be ready for what was going to come next, whatever it might be. And in all the world religions, there is some understanding about death. We know that in Judaism, there is not a great deal of specific dialogue about death because Jewish thought and theology is primarily focused on life in this realm. And while there's an acknowledgement, and over the study of religion, you can discover that it has emerged a bit, the reality is the afterlife is not thought about all that much. In Islam... The truth is, their understanding of the afterlife is not much different than many Christians. That after we die, we go face a time of judgment, and that judgment is often dependent on how we lived our life here. And in fact, there are places where we go to where we get rewarded in the presence of our Maker. In Eastern thought, of course, there is that whole concept of the Spirit, and in Buddhism, and Hinduism, and Shinto, and Tao, There's more about the spirit continually recycling, reincarnation. And the spirit is more attached to the great spirit rather than my own personal being. So what's true? Which one is right? It's always interesting to me when I talk to folks that as if we get a choice, as if somehow we get to heaven one day, And we walk up and we go, I'll take this kind of afterlife. Or I'll take this kind of afterlife. As if somehow our own determination makes whatever it is, whatever it is. So people go seeking and trying to select, well, which one do I want to believe? Which is interesting when you think about that, because it would suggest somehow that we are the determiners of our own eternity. For Christians, our understanding is is that we believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Why? Because Jesus said it. For us, it's not a question about whether or not this or that. It's about what did Jesus say. Because you've already told me in the Apostles' Creed what you believe. And that is, you believe in God, you believe in Jesus Christ, and you believe in the Holy Spirit, which is both what you think and what you feel. And if that's your source of authority for faith, you go to that authority to find out what's true about what happens to us when we die. So I don't go looking around to other places to find a better option. You don't upgrade your version of eternity. You accept what it is, and Jesus tells you what it is. So what does he tell you? Let me ask you this question. How many of you believe that after you die, there is a resurrection of the body? I don't want you to raise your hands yet. How many of you believe that? 
Think about that for a second. And for you, what does that mean? Now, as you think about that, I want to confess to you that for the longest time in my life, I have really not thought a lot about that. I sort of defaulted to the fact that when I die, I pop up as a better Rick. You know, Rick 2.0. You know, my knee feels good. I can see my toes. I don't have to look over my belly. I have to comb my hair. You know, I'm a better version of me, you know? How many of you think the resurrection body has something to do with you being a little bit better version of who you are today? Have you ever thought that? Yeah, I have. (coughs) The resurrection of the body may in fact not be that. The resurrection of the body, if I'm to understand it from Scripture, is this. That when we die, we do come out on the other side of death with some form of a resurrected body. How do I know that? Look at what Jesus did. Right? When Jesus died, he came back resurrected. And the disciples clearly knew it was him. They could see him. They knew it was him. But, was it a body like yours and mine? Remember? He appeared and reappeared in a room in a way in which you and I would not be able to do so. It was a spiritually resurrected body. So I don't know that I can explain to you any more than explain to me what that exactly means, but here's what I take away from that. When we die as Christians, we do believe that we are our own identity. In other words, in death, we don't just become a part of a glob of spirit. We are created in the image of God intentionally. So Susie Tinka, when she dies, will still be Susie Tinka. And we will know Susie Tinka because we knew Susie Tinka here. And God will know her as Susie Tinka, not just as the spirit of that person who's not, that spirit's now floating somewhere. The bodily resurrection, most of all, says to me that in Death and after death, our personal identity does not go away. So that image that we have of a reunion of the saints when we get there one day, that we will actually see those that we have loved and gone before us, is in fact a Christian belief that Jesus teaches. It's not just our own fantasy. There is a resurrection of the body, so that when we die, there is a holy celebration of the communion of all saints. Man, will that be a party? Now, the pause, of course, to that sentence is this. One, do I want to see everybody in heaven? There's some folks I don't want to see at Kroger. I'm just saying. I mean, I don't know if I want to look. Right? And it's that whole conversation about the fact that, well, of course, some going and some are not. Now, there is, of course, in Scriptures, a very clear, continuous understanding, as Jesus talks about it, in terms of judgment. 
that there is some version of heaven and hell and some judgment. And, and I will not act as if somehow I can gloss over that. I believe, in fact, that there is. But here's what I also believe. The reason the Apostles' Creed says, I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, it tells me this, that eternity is real. That when I die, I live in a place of eternity. Now, for some of you who like to have your life managed by the time clock, for you, that's scary thought. So I'd rather put it to you like this. Have you ever been with someone with whom it's so wonderful you wish time would never end? Heaven. Time is irrelevant because I just want to be with you, whoever you are. I want to be with God. I want to be with my loved ones. Time no longer has any purpose to it. But I also want to suggest this to you. What sets Christians apart from others in their understanding of heaven and hell at least some parts of the Christian church is this. I want you to listen to me very carefully. What gets you into heaven as a Christian? Is it if you live a good life? Do you think that? Have you been taught that somehow the good people get rewarded and the bad people get punished? Is that what you've been taught? Is that what you think? Reread scripture. How do we get into heaven? The grace of God. It is by the grace of Jesus Christ. And no matter what I do with my life, Robert, if you think I've lived a perfect life, and God bless you, you're not looking very close if you think that. That's not what gets me into heaven. It's the love and grace of Jesus Christ. That's it. Do you hear me, church? Now, for some of us, that's really good news. Right? Because, let's be clear, it's good news for all of us. But here's where it takes me. If that's true for me, why isn't it true for you? And why isn't it true for you? And why isn't it true for you? And why isn't it true for everyone in the world? Well, some Christians are going to say because they didn't proclaim Jesus Christ before they died. Ah, so God quits working after I die. My death has the power to stop God from being God. No, I don't think so. No one comes to the Father but by me, Jesus says. And too many times Christians have used that to say, everyone who doesn't come through Jesus is out. But listen to me, church. Take a look at what Jesus did. Take a, look, take a look at Jesus and what he did. He would get in trouble with the Pharisees who were against him. Why? Not because they believed in the afterlife, but because he wouldn't buy into all the rules. He kept receiving people who shouldn't have been received. He kept treating people in a way that talked about grace and forgiveness and mercy without judgment over them. Take a look at Jesus. So if Jesus is going to say, I believe in the resurrection of the body, he says that each and every one of us and each and every one that we know will go into afterlife as our own being. But what happens then? 
We are saved by the grace of God. And if I've proclaimed that, and if I've lived that here, why should I just live it there? It just it goes on. And if I haven't lived it here, then here's what I'm counting on. And I'm willing to, this is a bet I'm willing to live with. When I die, whatever my sin has been, whatever my denial of God has been in this world, God has eternity to turn me around. Eternity. Now, some of you are first-class sinners. Don't raise your hands. We all know who you are anyway. Uh, you know I'm clowning, but here's my point. Anybody here able to outsin more than how God can love? For eternity? I believe in the resurrection of the body. I believe that we go into heaven as the beings that God created us to be. And I believe that once we get into heaven, we experience the God that we were professing in this world, and then we get to have an eternal, eternal relationship with that God. Where if I love God going into death, can you imagine how much more I'm going to be able to love him after? Eternity. And if I denied God before I went into life and death, Somewhere, somehow, I've always believed this is true. This is my theology, and you know it. God wins. God just wins. So when we come to the end of the Apostles' Creed, I want to ask God's forgiveness for all the time I just mumbled off the resurrection of body and life everlasting so I get on to the next part of worship. Because it seems to me, if I really believe that, it changes how I live today. It gives me hope. It gives me the understanding that in this life, the person that God has made of me continues on in relationship with God and in relationship with you. Becky, you and I will have supper together in heaven. Tell me that doesn't give me comfort. It does. I will be with my loved ones, with my parents and my children and their children and their children and their children and you. That change today for you? Does it change how I face my own death? I can't pretend that I know what I'll be like in the time of my death. No one can answer that for themselves. You have to get there, I've learned. I have learned that people who have ultimate trust in Jesus Christ as they face their death generally face it with a great deal of courage, maybe even anticipation. But what I believe is this. The Apostles' Creed was given to us, and if we simply follow it, I believe in God. I mean, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the communion of saints and, the, and the, for, uh, the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. And yes, I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting that I've declared how I will live today. And tomorrow, in the hands of God, will take care of itself. And that's how you live a resurrected life. 
so let's go do it. Amen?